0: This is the Hockey News Podcast. Hello everybody, it's Matt Larkin here. Welcome to the Hockey News Fantasy Hockey Podcast and live stream presented to you by Christian Hockey. And a reminder, you can get your live questions in right now. And I may answer them at some point during this podcast. Also a reminder, if you want meatier answers, okay, then try to get the questions in earlier because then I get I get time to do a little bit of homework. I can help you a little bit more if I have some factoids for you. But you can, of course, still ask some live questions. Before we get to that, I'm going to give you a recommendation. Shallow, medium, deep, as I've done in the past podcasts. Uh, shallow League, fantasy pickup recommendation. I'm almost embarrassed to say this name, but that's the point. It's a Shallow League pickup, okay? Nico Hische. He's available in 72% of leagues. What are these leagues that people are playing in where he sure is available? I don't understand it, but fact of the matter is, in almost three quarters of leagues, he's out there for a pickup, 18 points in his past 21 games. I do think it's probably not a coincidence that with John Hines out as Devils coach. You're seeing he sure blossom under Alain Nazardine, and he is getting time on that Center position on the first power play unit. He's got eight points in his past six games. And, and when you, you know, I've said it before, it's a pedigree thing. First overall pick, he's still in his very early 20s. I think when someone like Hesher gets on a hot streak, it's more than just a hot streak. It's something we have to take very seriously and wonder if it's the sign of someone breaking out. And the fact that a, a player like uh, of this caliber is available is surprising to me. And we're sort of getting to the midway point, uh, approaching the playoff races in most people's fantasy seasons. And this is the kind of guy, if he's available and you pick him up, He could be a league winning, changing, roster changing asset. So go get Nico Heaster in these silly leagues where he's available. If we're looking at medium league pickups, uh, I'm looking at Samuel Girard, a guy who I think he's one of the most underrated players in the young class of defensemen in in the NHL, largely because he plays under the shadow of Kale McCarr. Uh, he's really caught fire of late, nine points in his past five games. He's a very good puck mover in his own right. He's no Kale McCarr, of course, yes. Compared to McCarr, he doesn't seem like he's going to be a superstar, but I think Gerard is a very good offensive defenseman. And what's interesting about Colorado is the way they deploy their power play. They often have Nathan McKinnon out there the entire time. So Girard technically is on the second power play unit, but there's a good chance when he's out there, he's still out there with Nathan McKinnon. He gets opportunities to pick up power play points, and he's available in 75% of leagues. Another guy, if he can continue this hot play, he could be a league-winning asset down the stretch. Uh, If we're looking at the deep league pickup, and this is a very deep league, okay, so... It's possible that this guy is returned to the AHL in a matter of days, but it's also possible that this guy could completely change the face of every fantasy league down the stretch if he sticks. And that's Igor Shesterkin of the New York Rangers, available in 85% of leagues. I picked him up in mine. Uh, And we know this is one of the better goaltending prospects in the league last year our future watch edition our panel of scouts he's the number four goaltending prospect his stats can best be described as video game numbers I think it was 1.11 goals against average and 953 save percentage in the KHL last year yes I know the KHL is a league where the numbers you know they skew a bit more toward the defensive when it comes to goalie and there's are, there are super teams of course that are really stacked but in any league in any situation 953 save percentage is just comical it's a testament to how special Shesterkin is And it's very intriguing that he's now slated to start a second straight game tonight. And Coach David Quinn said that it's been earned. That's very exciting to me because, you know, he gets called up the other day, starts a game. But you're wondering if it's just sort of give the kid a chance. He's really, you know, he's put in his time. And then they're going to send him back down because they have Henrik Lundqvist. They have to placate. And, of course, Alexander Georgiev. But now when Shesterkin gets a second start in a row, it's like, okay. This is pretty interesting. Uh, it, it makes you wonder if the Rangers are sort of rooting for Sterkin to establish himself. Maybe it it would render Georgiev trade bait. There's been his name is being tossed out in rumors. Maybe as part of a package with the disgruntled Elias Anderson. We don't know. But either way, when a player this good gets a chance, you just have to pick him up. You have to understand. Steven's waving Stephen has some comments he's waving because he wrote about Shesterkin on Page the web story. yeah Stephen's plugging his story it's a good story it's on the website right now but you have to take the chance it's free he's available in 85% of leagues and yes he could be back on the wire next week but he also could be the guy that saves your season so just based on talent go get him and worry about what happens later now let's get to some questions we have a bunch of good ones this week let's just let's reload with a little sip of water here first one is just from Sean I like the cockiness no last name, just Sean. And Sean asks, "What does Pittsburgh do with Matt Murray?" It's tough. I mean, Matt Murray's a guy that I've always been a big fan of, down to his junior days and when he was dominating the AHS. And of course, I used to make bets on the office in the office that Matt Murray was going to become a star. So when he was a rookie on on two Stanley Cup victories in a row i was so cocky uh but of course he's run into relatively hard times he's got a very brittle body has a hard time putting on weight he's been injury prone and, and a bit over the past couple of years his consistency has wavered and right now he's just been flat out outplayed by tristan jerry and the funny thing is i mean tristan jerry has outplayed almost every goalie if not every goalie in the nhl this year what does pittsburgh do with that situation I think you cannot overreact yet if you're Jim Rutherford. Uh, Jerry was a pretty high-end prospect, not elite tier, but he was like a tier two goaltending prospect, kind of like what Jordan Binnington was a few years back. So you might legitimately have something in Tristan Jerry. At the same time, it's still a pretty small sample size and you have both players are going to be restricted free agents at the end of the season and it's funny pittsburgh's the ultimate case study of this you need two good goalies in today's nhl i talked about it on the main podcast this week it's, it's just a more physically demanding position than it's ever been you don't want to get caught without a good backup option and the penguins in one of their playoff runs of course had to juggle between murray and mark-andre Fleury, and together they made the effort that was perfect to win the cup so i think jim rutherford understands that i think he knows he's not going to risk not having two good options for the stretch run, especially the Penguins surprisingly staying more than afloat while Sidney Crosby was hurt. So uh, I I think you have to just stay the course, ride it out, and come playoff time, ah, Matt Murray's won two Stanley Cups, and I think you're still probably going to see Pittsburgh roll with him as a starter unless Jerry just badly outplays him the rest of the season. If that happens, that's a good problem to have because then your backup is a guy with two Stanley Cup rings. Either way, I think you want to go into the playoffs with both. So I think at least until the summer, you stand pat if you're if you're Pittsburgh. Uh, this question is from Thorny. Thorny says, just wanted to know some quick hitters on some guys you expect to surprise in the second half, the way guys like Ryan Strom, Victor Olsson, Brian Rust, Anthony DeClaire, Pajot Kalorn, etc. Surprise in the first half. So I got a few names for you. Hopefully they're not too obvious, but hear me out on the reasoning, okay? Uh, one would be Ilya Samsonov, and it's a, well, it's Ilya Samsonov. He's not really a, a diamond in the rough. He's you know, he's been arguably the best goaltending prospect of the past couple of years. But I still think if you're, you know, if I'm interpreting this question as who could be a difference maker in your league, you can see the tide starting to turn between Samsonov and Braden Holtby. Samsonov's getting more and more opportunities. He continues to outplay him. 921 save percentage. At this point, Samsonov is creeping into the Calder scro- Trophy discussion. He could end up being a finalist at this rate. And because the Washington Capitals, they know Braden Holtby's a UFA this summer, I think one of the most important goals of the season was to see what they have in Samsonov and they're realizing they have something very good in Samsonov. They have to re-sign Nichols Backstrom. I think that Braden Holtby is probably done as a Washington capital. And at that point, if you know that Holtby's done, you may as well give more runway to Samsonov, see what you have, give him a chance to really blossom and solidify himself as a true number one. If he's playing that well, you may as well find out because then if he, if he establishes himself that way, he steals the job from Holpi. then you can feel really comfortable letting Holpi walk. So I, I wouldn't be that surprised if Samsonov continues to outplay Holpi. if it gives him a better chance to win, if they slowly seed starts, and the, the balance goes maybe 50-50 or even 60-40 in Samsonov's favor, in which case he's a real difference maker. He's an extremely talented goaltender, and he could, he could change every fantasy league down the stretch. So he's a guy I think that could be a, a, an interesting surprise. Uh, the other guy, again, this is a pretty obvious name, but he's been so terrible this year. I don't understand it. Alex Dobrynkit, and he's, you know, I wouldn't say surprise, would be the right word to describe what he could do in the second half, but I, I still really like him as a buy-low candidate just because we know the talent is there. As long as there's not an injury being hidden that's really hampering him, uh, I think that he could easily score 25 goals in the second half and perform like a, like a second-round pick in your league. So if you can get him from someone who's disgruntled, who's, th- who's thought, well, it's been more than half the year now, is he not going to turn it around? I, I'd say go for it. Uh, Brady Kachuk is another guy who I love Brady Kachuk. I think he's gonna be star in this league He does so many things. Well, he's not just an agitator And if you look at his shot metrics his advanced data, it it suggests he should already be a star The numbers have not been there. He's been a bit unlucky But if you look at the chances he's generating how often he's shooting the puck he should be scoring a lot more So I think he is a candidate to go absolutely bonkers in the second half He's someone I'd be trying really hard. In my my keeper league, I'm making an offer for him every day, and and this guy keeps turning me down. I'm like, man, come on, because I think he's just – He's someone who's waiting to go supernova. I think he's playing a lot better than the surface numbers indicate. Uh, Another guy who I think could have a special second half is Tyler Toffoli. People kind of forget about Toffoli because you know he had a good run when he was part of that 70s line when the Kings were more relevant a few years back. He's kind of faded into the background. Uh, Advanced metrics suggest, kind of like Brady Kachuk, that he should have more goals than he does this season. And of course, he's one of the most obvious trade candidates leading up to the deadline. I think there's a good chance he ends up on a contending team where he gets to play in a much more offensive system than he's ever gotten to experience before, playing on some very defensive L.A. teams. To Toffoli, I don't think there's any doubt about his ability as just a natural scorer. That's always being what he brings to the table so if he suddenly ends up on a a line with a really high-end center on a contending team he might blossom in a way that we never thought was possible before so I'd say get in now while his number I think he's got something like 11 goals or you know somewhere in the it's definitely not anywhere near 20 Uh, so he he shouldn't cost that much to acquire but a month from now he could suddenly become one of those surprising assets that catches fire down the stretch Uh, next question is from Sebastian a lot of people, either Stevens is sending me first names or the, or everyone is just trying to be Madonna today. There you go. Oh, okay. So Sebastian says, playing in a very deep keeper league, which prospect currently not in the NHL but available on Yahoo, should I pick up now to keep him for next season? I own Bowen Byram already. Well, if you're looking at names to have available for next season? Uh, I have a few names in my head, okay? I don't know if they're available yet. I I think you have to go check, but the first names I would look for, uh, one would be Cole Caulfield. I think just his natural offensive ability, the game is tailored to what he can do now. He's looked really good with Wisconsin for most of the year. Uh, I think he's someone who's going to turn pro. I think he was close, maybe, we'll never know, but I feel like he was almost close to doing it before the season started, uh, I think he's someone who can make an impact right away and be challenging for the Calder Trophy next season. Maybe he gets a late-season cup of coffee if he turns pro at the end of the year. Uh, so that's someone. And the thing is, I, again, I don't, I don't have it in front of me right now. I don't know if he's available in Yahoo yet. Uh, I'm gonna guess that he's not. Uh, but if he turns pro near the end of the year and your keeper league is still active, you could sneak in and then scoop him up on your roster. Another guy is Kirill Kaprizov. I think he, he's in the discussion for the best player not in the NHL right now kind of like what uh, Evgeny Kuznetsov was a few years ago his contract in the KHL expires at the end of the year and he's expressed interest in finally coming to the NHL I think he's going to arrive as a finished product I think he's got really dynamic dominant scoring ability and he can make an impact right away so he's someone I think put his name in there see if he's available. Uh, if you're looking for a goalie, Ukapeka Lukanin, I think you can make a case. He, with Samsonov graduating to the NHL, he's in the sh- on the short short list now for among drafted prospects up there with Caden Primo as the best goalie prospects in the NHL. And Linus Allmark's been fine. Carter Hutton has kind of uh, come back down to earth. So I think it's not inconceivable that next year Ukapeka uh, uh, Lukanin makes a run for the starting job, and that's someone you'd love to have stashed on your roster. Uh, so those would be my guys, but again, I don't know 100% that they're available, but just watch it like a hawk. And, and also, the Yahoo game has changed a lot of keeper leagues. Um, you know, it used to be that when the season was over, Yahoo shut down all of their leagues. But now, I, I even was looking at it today, my fantasy baseball league, it's still open, you can still look at the roster. So in keeper leagues, there's a larger window to fiddle around with your, with your roster, right? So if these guys get opportunities later in seasons or get added to the game later in the season, just be ready to snap them up, add them to your roster if your league rules permit it. Uh, the next question is, let's see here. Uh, this, this person is a, the, the name is a bit offensive. I'm going to call it Peeing Off The Deck, okay? Peeing Off The Deck podcast asks, what to do with Victor Arvidsson? Decrease production and the te- as a team, the Preds have been bad. Sell now or wait it out. Could make or break playoffs. It's tough because Victor Arvidsson, uh, I think, was second only to Alex Ovechkin in terms of per-game goal production last year. 34 goals, Predators franchise record, and this year he's got nine goals. Uh, it's been pretty disastrous if you spend a high pick on him in, in a redraft league, uh, and I'm a bit concerned because John Hines, it's not like John Hines was known for running this crazy high-octane devil's offense. I, I don't know if that hiring is going to work out uh, for the Predators. I think it was a bit of a panic hiring personally. Uh, Maybe he'll prove me wrong, Uh, but especially for Nashville's offensive ceiling for a team that, you know, had a lot of problems on the power play in recent seasons. I don't know if bringing in John Hines is going to be the difference maker. So based on that, I'm not totally convinced that the coaching change is going to help Victor Arvidsson. And if you could get a, a player of roughly equal value for, let's say someone offers you Alex Debrincat for Victor Arvidsson. I think I'd do that. At the same time, uh, Arvidsson's too talented. And assuming he's not, as I always say, not hiding injury, I think if you're selling him right now, you're like he's got nine goals. You're selling him for you know, fifty-two cents on the dollar. Uh, if you can't get the proper return, then I would hold him just because he, you're just not going to get a player with that much upside back for Arvidsson. Uh, next question comes from Ayush Das. What's going on, Ayush? And Ayush says, Some devils have taken off since Hall's trade, namely Heischer, as I said, Blake Coleman, Sammy And Is it sustainable? Uh, well, I, I like the thing about Alan Nazruddin is he kind of comes into the situation in New Jersey with a relatively uh, clean track record because he's just getting started as an NHL coach. So sometimes an unknown can be an advantage because we don't know, like in the case of what I'm saying with John Hines, that, Nazarene's teams play lockdown defense. They're conservative. It's too early to know what their identity is going to be. So if there's upside, I think it's worth taking a gamble on some of these Devils players. Uh, just because historically, you know, we've said it so many times when teams change coaches, they almost always experience a spike in production. They win more. It's, it's a uniquely NHL thing that you see almost every season. I don't know if it's an emotional thing, if it's just the change in the system just triggers something in players' brains. I don't know what it is, but it is a real thing. It's not a myth. It's been statistically proven. So I think it's fine to be all in on devils right now as buy lows, uh, and, and actually on the website right now, I'm gonna plug Stephen again. He's got a really interesting article on Nikita Gusev. That's another guy that I'd be looking to buy low on. The peripheral numbers are really good. The surface numbers still look ho-hum, but he's been as good as any devil over the past 10 games or so, as Stephen points out in his article. Uh, it's a two-part question. And I like the second part, so I'm gonna give you another question here. Um, also is Kale McCarr a good sell high or worth hanging on to for the entire season, not a keeper league, obviously. Well, okay, if you can get an elite player for Kale McCarr, fair enough. You know, if someone offers you someone offers you Roman Yossi for Kale McCarr or, or a really high end forward, okay. You sell him. But I, I'm you know, Kale McCarr was my Calder trophy pick going into the season. He was rated last year he was our number one prospect in Future Watch, number one drafted commodity in the NHL Uh, I believe in I could not believe in Kale McCarr more so to me nothing he's doing uh, is fluky he's a dynamic player I think he people said last year he's going to be an Eric Carlson type of player in terms of his impact I believed it then and I think he's proving it now and he's on pace to do things that haven't been done since like the Brian Leach days Uh, so I think you want to be careful about about uh, selling Kale McCarr high if anything it might be fun to try and trade for Kale McCarr and make a deal with an owner who thinks that they should be selling high on Kael McCarron, when you actually shouldn't. For me, he's a hole just because he's so good. You don't wanna trade away a player that good unless the return is outstanding and you know it's outstanding. Uh, this one is from Mika Hakala. And Mika asks, Zacharensky has been on fire lately. Do you think that it is just a peak in, uh, peak in form or is he ascending to the next level, so to speak? I think it's a bit of both. So Zacharansky, excellent defenseman, can play huge minutes, can do it all at both ends of the ice. Uh, he's a great goal-scoring defenseman. So he, his career low, I believe, is 11 goals. And I was looking at some numbers for him earlier today since he joined the league in sixteen seventeen, He's sixth among all defensemen in goals. And with two more goals, he would jump as high, I think, as third. So we know Wierenski already established as one of the best goal-scoring defensemen in the game. Uh, and I think he's someone who was always projected to be really good. And I, and I know I sound like a broken record, but I think it's important when you, when you get a new case study. When someone who was always supposed to be really good, projected to be really good, drafted high, and is really good, once they start playing, it's not a fluke. It's exactly what Renski was supposed to do. That's why he was such a high pick. I believe in him completely. Uh, so I, I do think for the most part, yes, if he's starting to ascend, he's you know, maturing into his prime, so I believe it. At the same time, he, even by Renski's standards, he's playing over his head. He's scoring on 15, 15.2% of his shots, which is absolutely absurd for a defenseman. It's not sustainable. So Renski's got a, you know however many goals he has. I think he has 15 goals right now. Uh, so don't expect him to finish with 30 goals, but he might finish with 22 goals. right? He might, And I think people, people misunderstand the law of averages. They think, oh, okay, if he's a 5% shooter in his career and he's shooting 15%, he's going to shoot... the rest of the way it doesn't always work that way he could still be good the rest of the way But he's just not going to score at a 15% rate, right? So he might he's still gonna be probably an excellent defenseman doesn't mean he's gonna go in a slump But he might just return to normal Wierenski levels Uh, either way He's still an elite fantasy defenseman, and I think he's still getting better. So uh, I'm a believer Uh, Let's see next one is Okay uh, Eldon King asked, how much longer should I give Sergey Bobrovsky to turn things around? I got to take a sip of water for this one, okay? Because I got to think about it. A couple people asking about Bobrovsky. And the answer is, I don't know, okay? And I, I've been telling people all year to be patient on Bobrovsky before the season started. I even said, don't worry if he has a slow start because he's always been a bad October goalie. It's historically his worst month. But now we're at the halfway point and it's starting to look like maybe this is just a down year for Bobrovsky. It's kind of like if you... If you have Bobrovsky and you've come this far with him, you kind of just have to take the L and understand that if you know if you're fed up with him, it's fair enough. It's been a long, you know, you've been more than half the season with him. You're not going to get full value, but at the same time, as much as Bobrovsky has given us little confidence so far this year, uh, he's one of the first guys I'd want to buy low on because the track record is so strong. He has a history of starting slowly and then getting hot, and when he's hot, he's as good as any goalie in the league. And if we're talking fantasy hockey context, he's the league winner. He's the guy who you get. For value down the stretch and he completely transforms your team he carries you and if you're a team that has ho-hum goaltending or you know I'll put it this way if you have Darcy Kemper do you trade him straight up for Sergei Bobrovsky I feel like I'd still take that gamble we know how good Bobrovsky has been for so long he's the only goalie in the past decade or so to win the Vezina Trophy twice Uh, and I think we have to give him a little more runway who knows and the thing people forget is that, yes, hockey players live very glamorous lives, but they're still actually human beings, no matter what. And when you change teams, you still have to make a lot of adjustments in your life. So it's entirely possible that, you know, it's like, is Bobrovsky not liking where he's living? Is he not sleeping well? Who knows? It could be anything. And and I do think, though, it does take time for players to gel in certain situations. So it wouldn't surprise me that much if Bobrovsky turns it around. And if he doesn't, he'll still be on my list of buy lows for next year. Okay. Let's see. Okay, David Hurley says, love the fantasy show. Thank you, David. Do you see Allmark or Hutton bouncing back to put Buffalo in the postseason? So I was just talking about both of them a few minutes ago. Uh, I think that with Allmark, it's not really a bounce back because he hasn't been terrible, right? The same percentage is, I think, 9-11 or somewhere in that range, 912, 913. and I think that's kind of who Allmark is. He's a good goalie. kind of reminds me of Jacob Markstrom. He's got a pretty high floor. He doesn't have a super high ceiling, and I think we kind of get an idea of what Allmark is going to be in his career. He's going to be kind of a good 1B, someone who on certain teams can be pressed into starter status, but probably isn't going to be a perennial 60-start Vezina Trophy guy. Carter Hutton is someone who, he's kind of forging a career as another Brian Elliott, where whenever he's not expected to be good, he seems to post outstanding numbers, and then when the expectations go up, and he's and do a bigger role. The numbers kind of come back down. And again, I think at this point of Hutton's career, we kind of know who he is. I think they're both going to be, at best, fine. Uh, But the Sabres as a whole, you know, I don't think even if both guys get hot down the stretch, with Buffalo, it's more just a matter of the teams they have to catch. They're starting to really fall behind. And as usual, that Atlantic division is so top-heavy, it's going to be tough for Buffalo to catch teams like Toronto, Tampa Bay, Boston. And I think Florida, the fact that Florida's staying afloat, even with Bobrovsky not playing well, I think makes them very dangerous because if Bobrovsky even, even just improves to be 80% of his normal self, I think the Panthers can really go on a run. Uh, so Buffalo, I think, you know at best, they're the fifth-best team in their own division, maybe the sixth-best. So I'm not too optimistic right now that they're going to turn it around. I don't think that means they're not a success. They're not showing signs of improvement under Ralph Kruger, but I just don't know if they're a complete enough team yet. And I I don't think they've recovered from the Ryan O'Reilly trade. They just don't have the shutdown presence at center. Maybe it's going to be a guy like Rasmus Asplund eventually, but losing O'Reilly, it just changed the makeup of their team. And of course... Casey Middlestat was pressed into too, too, too much responsibility last year. I think it damaged his confidence if end up sending him down. So there's still a lot of damage control to do in Buffalo. Maybe Dylan Cousins down the road is going to change that. We'll see. Okay. It was just announced. This is Elliot Bruchette. It was just announced that Shane Gossespierre will miss three weeks with a knee injury. Does he have much trade value at this point? So I assume this is a fantasy hockey question, but I think it applies both ways. I think... Ghost Bear, you know, compared to the way he the way he played when he broke into the league, his points per game uh, during his rookie season was the highest in 25-plus in years since Vladimir Malikov. Uh, so he was looking like he was going to be one of the best offensive defensemen of the generation. And I, I think his inability to mature into a complete player has hurt coaches' ability to trust him, especially a veteran guy like Alan Vigneault. I think there was always a risk that he was going to end up in that doghouse. Uh, and in real life, and also just in fantasy, I still think that there's no doubting Ghost Bear's talent offensively. So there's still going to be a team that struggles on the power play that I think could use what he brings to the table. So I, I think in the right situation, I don't know what the value is going to be in terms of what you can get and what you have to give up, but I think there's still a market for him. In fantasy leagues, it's almost like you need the real-life trade to happen first. You need Ghost Bear to change environments. And if he does, then he becomes a lot more interesting. He's still young enough to become a very relevant uh, guy in fantasy. And the example I've used before is Tony D'Angelo. I don't think they're the exact same player. Uh, but they're both guys that were, you know, very offensively talented, not necessarily the most well-rounded. And then D'Angelo got traded a couple times. He finally landed in the right situation. And then he really started to blossom and became pretty fantasy relevant. So I do think the ghost bear can find a new situation that'll make him a fantasy factor again, but I wouldn't go, especially because he's hurt. If he's hurt too, I wouldn't go chasing him in a fantasy league right now. I, I would wait to see if his real life situation changes and That's something that might not happen until the summer. It could be like a draft day trade, an off-season trade. We'll see. Okay. Okay. And I think we have a couple more questions. I'm going to scroll up here. Uh, Okay. This is another one from Sebastian. Okay. So Sebastian asked one before, but got another question in there. Should I trade David Perron and Jaden Schwartz now to solve some issues on the center position, or are they the real deal and worth keeping for next season? So Perron and Schwartz... I think, and it's an expression I I use a lot. I've used it already on this podcast, but we know who they are. And I think that's a very, it's an important consideration, right? So both guys, they're both first-round picks in real life. They both have matured into good, solid players. I think David Perron was one of the most underrated players in the game. It seems like anytime he's pressed into duty on a team that is not, you know, either has injuries like the Blues this year or is not expected to succeed like Vegas a couple years back. He produces and he and he has big, surprisingly big years. He can produce like a point per game player for extended stretches. Uh, but at the same time, Perel, you know, he's not always relied on in real life to be a frontline player. He doesn't always get those opportunities. He's more kind of pressed into duty when the circumstances dictate. So... I don't think that just because is having a career year or close to it that we can say, oh, well, he's going to be an 80-point player next year. It's just as possible he's a 54-point player next year. So to me, he's a solid guy. He's a great depth addition. He's someone you always pick in the middle rounds of your draft. I don't think he's someone you keep. And Jaden Schwartz, you know, four or five years ago, he'd be a guy that, I'd, that I would put on any list of good keepers to target. But... He's someone who has had trouble staying healthy throughout his career, and I think just he, you know, I've always called him a bulldog. He's a small guy; he's like my size, but he's like 190 pounds. I think he plays the game with a lot of tenacity for his size, and I think it, it has wear and tear on his body. So there's always a risk that comes with owning Jaden Schwartz in a fantasy league. So again, he's a guy. I, he, he, I he's a guy you take late in a draft because you know talent-wise, you could get bang for your buck. But I don't think he's a guy that you you reserve your keeper space in a dynasty league for at this point in his career i think we have one more question that i wanted to that i saw earlier Uh, let's see Uh, no i guess that's it i thought there was one more but i think that's it thank you and thank you to our sponsor christian hockey it was fun